Good morning and happy Sabbath. Um, today, me, Caitlin, Vinny, and Lara are going to be reading a sermon called You Are Gifted, and I would like to open with a prayer. Please bow your head. Dear Lord, please let your words flow through us as we speak this sermon, and please let the congregation be blessed by the message that we are about to speak. And for all those that couldn't make it, please help them to be safe. And if they're just late, please help them to arrive soon. And thank you that it's a wonderful day. Amen. For the first reading comes from 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 6. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Uh, Verses 7 to 14. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. Just as a body through one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. We were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Thank you. Verses 15 through 20. Now if the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Verses 21 to 26. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think that are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Um, Verses 27 to 28. Now you are all the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. 
And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. I'm glad that you chose to worship with us here today, and I would like to wish you all a happy Sabbath. Today we will be talking about spiritual gifts and specific roles God has for each one of us in a given context. And we will also talk about how important it is to trust God and never look back. After all that God has done for us, after all the provisions he has made, after all the spiritual gifts he has given to us, his people, we cannot look back. We cannot be discouraged. We must look forward knowing that others have already faced difficulties in the past. For his sake and by faith, they overcame. God has never promised a life here on this earth where everything will be all right. But he has a promise, a glorious future, a future of everlasting joy in his presence. Free from difficulties, challenges, and oppositions, we are promised a new heaven and a new earth. I have a question that I would like you to think about. What keeps people from using their spiritual gifts and talents in their church and community? Are they lazy? unmotivated, or only committed to doing easy jobs that can be completed quickly. Perhaps simply have not yet realized what their gifts are and have not been given the opportunity of an avenue to live up to their potential. Sometimes we lose motivation because we don't feel able to do the job or fulfill the role. The position calls for skills that are not natural to us, or we are asked to give in our energy to something we don't care about. The body of Christ is designed in such a way that each of us has a valued role, and the problem is that we don't always know what is. It, it is no wonder that Paul begins his teaching on spiritual gifts this way. Now about the gifts of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unformed. 1 Corinthians 12, 1. Sadly, too few of us understand what it means to receive God's gift and talents. I have to tell you that it, it isn't a privilege. It's a per responsibility. Although there are those who do not believe that they have any gifts, Scripture teaches us that God has given all Christians spiritual gifts especially endowed abilities that enable them to work, to do the work of ministry enthusiastically and effectively. Spiritual gifts are given by the Holy Spirit to all of Christ's followers so that the common good of his church can be achieved. Spiritual gifts can be discovered and used effectively. And once we understand and apply these gifts in the right positions and projects, our lives become more fruitful and fulfilled. The Holy Spirit graciously gives ministry abilities, spiritual gifts, so that every Christian can make a valued contribution to the health of the whole body. 
The church actually operates as the bo the body of Christ when each person seeks to know and function in accord with the role assigned by God. The wonderful work of the Holy Spirit brings, among other things, wisdom, discernment, growth, and unity in Christ. There is a quote by Ellen G. White, one of the founders of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. That is that very well describes the work of the Spirit as she talks about how wonderfully different people in different parts grew together in, in the expectations of the second coming of Jesus. This quote is found in the book of Great Conf Controversy, page 357. Like the great reformation of the 16th century, the Advent mo movement appears in different countries of Christendom at the same time. In both Europe and America, men of faith and prayer were led to the study of the prophecies and tracing down the inspired record they saw convincing advents evidence that the end of all things was at hand. In different lands, were, there were isolated bodies of Christians who solely by the study of the scriptures arrived at the belief that the Savior's advent was near. So we see, so we see that Christians in different countries who had no contact with each other were coming to the same collusions about Christ's second coming. Why? because they were all studying the same book, God's Word, and were being led by the same Spirit at different times in different places. God imparts the wisdom necessary for that situation. We could think of our spiritual gifts as the pieces of a puzzle. Imagine you were given one piece of of a 100-piece puzzle. Each one of those pieces represent the gifts and talents that God has given us. The picture cannot be put together unless everyone contributes their piece. Everyone has a different piece, a corner, a side, a piece of a sky, etc. And they need to know what type of piece they have in order to know where they're where to place them. This is a great illustration of what can come together when everyone contributes what they have. Now I'm going to be reading 1 Corinthians 4, 4 to, 8, 4 to 6. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Each of us is truly unique. Did you know that each of us has one trillion cells in our body? And for each of those cells, there is a DNA strand that holds six gigabytes of memory. So each of us has the potential to have 600 trillion gigabytes of memory. Amazing. Also, DNA molecules can combine in an almost infinite number of ways. There is no one like you. God made you special. 
You have a God-given personal style and ministry passion. Understanding your unique gifts and style will enable you to thrive in your relationship with God and in your ministry. What is a spiritual gift? Let me start by saying what it is not. It is not a talent, something you just happen to be good at. It is not an ability or a developed skill. It is not a personality trait, whether environmental or generic. So what is a spiritual gift? It's something you get when you become a Christian. Let's read Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 7, and 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Would anyone like to volunteer to read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7? No. Okay. I'll read it. But to each of to, but to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And first Corinthians twelve verse seven is now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. There are no believers without gifts. There are no unbelievers with gifts. It is a supernatural ability that works through God's Holy Spirit. First Peter chapter four verse eleven says if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. The reason you have it is to do God's work. You supply the availability, and God supplies the ability. Your gift is not for you. It is for others and the church. That's what we find in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 12. So God himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. God gave all of us different gifts so that we could all work together. Look what Romans 12, chapter 6 says. Or chapter 12, verse 6 says. We have... We have different gifts according to the grace given to each one of us. It is a misconception that we have to discover our gifts first before volunteering to serve in the appropriate place. Many times we won't know what we are gifted or not gifted in until we get involved. There are so many ministries out there that you'll have ample opportunities to experiment. Oh, sorry. You'll eventually learn what you're good at. Put this all together. Spiritual gifts can be defined as follows. Spiritual gifts are a ministry capacity or abilities given by the Holy Spirit that express our unique motivation for building up the body of Christ. Well, that's quite a long definition. It sounds more like a dictionary definition. Let's simply say that your spiritual gift is something that comes from God and that you must use for the benefit of others. Then what is our responsibility? It is to discover and use the gifts that God has given to us. The Lord is going to ask us to give an account one day for the stewardship and multiplication of the gifts we have been given. In the parable of the talents, which can be found in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 to 30, the Lord says that the one who was given five talents went out and multiplied them into five more. To this, the Lord, to this servant, the Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant. To the one who buried his talent, the Lord said, You wicked, lazy servant. So we better use our gifts. The Holy Spirit gives them to the believer. And in response, the believer must trust in God's power and ability every day of their life. But it's true that, unfortunately, some people end up burying their talents. I believe that the primary reason we bury our talents is fear. 
It could be fear of failure, fear of taking risks, fear of confronting pain, or fear of commitment. Sometimes we claim that we don't know what our gifts are, just because it is safer. We know that once we name our gifts, we will, re we will become responsible for using them. But those who have broken through the fear of failure, the fear of taking risk, the fear of confronting personal pain, and the fear of commitment have stepped into liberated joy. These energized, fulfilled people have discerned, have discerned their ministry capacity and are applying themselves to a need they care about. You are invited to break free of your fears, for many discoveries await you. Thank you. Happy Sabbath. So, talking about gifts, what do you do if you don't like the gifts you have? Or it seems as if everyone else has better ones. We have to understand that our gifts, however large or small, if used out of a heart of love, can make a difference. Once you have learned what your gifts are or what you're good at, keep a humble attitude, recognizing what your gifts, where your gifts come from, and never looking down at others who may be younger in faith than you, never comparing yourself with anyone else. Our role model is Jesus Christ and no one else. In Galatians 6, 4, we read, Do your own work well, and then you will have something to be proud of, but don't compare yourself with others. There is a line in the poem Desiderata by Max Ehrman that says, If you compare yourself with others, you may become vain and bitter, for always there will be greater and lesser persons than yourself. And also Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, to 12, 10, 12, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. God is in the process of developing your gifts. Unfortunately, when you fail to use these talents that God has given you, they will be lost. When you read in 1 Corinthians, you can see that Paul is aware that this church is relatively young. He doesn't designate specific leaders within the community, but instead gives them a vision for what they will become. Here is a list of some of the gifts that Paul mentioned in his letters. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing powers, prophecy, discernment, tongues, interpretation, administration, leadership, teaching, and miracles. The Seventh-day Adventist Bible Commentary states that the Corinthian believers were under the misguided notion that there were some gifts that were more important than others. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul takes them to task and explains that all gifts are from God and are meant to benefit the church as a whole. Thus, no one can boast that they are more favored since all are primed towards the same goal. Here is an elaboration of the meanings behind some of the gifts, as explained in the Seventh-day Adventist Bible Commentary. Wisdom. A man possessed of this gift was not only wise, he was also able to explain his wisdom to others. Wisdom is not the same as knowledge. Knowledge is an ability to apprehend facts, or in terms of the gospel, the ability to understand spiritual truth and arrange it in an orderly manner in order to facilitate ex explanation to others. 
Faith. This faith mentioned here is not simply the belief that all Christians have. It is a special manifestation of faith that enables the wielder to undertake exceptional tasks for the glory of God. Miracles. This was a special gift performed under divine direction. Prophecy. The power to speak with authority for God or on God's behalf, either by foretelling future events or by declaring God's will for the present. Discernment, the ability to distinguish between divine and counterfeit inspiration. Young people are like the young church of Corinth. They need time to mature, time to develop their gifts. Sometimes young people will deny that they have gifts or talents. But this, unfortunately, isn't modest or humility. This is a theological slap in God's face. This applies to the adults in the church. When an adult is asked to exercise their gift, but they refuse, denying that they have any gifts or talents, it isn't modest or humility. That's a theological slap in God's face. Why? Because the Bible could not be clearer about the gifts of the Spirit being distributed to the members of the body of, the, body of Christ. Ellen G. White says in the book, The Great Controversy, Men are instruments in the hand of God, employed by him to accomplish his purposes of grace and mercy. Each has his part to act. Here are some Bible verses that call us to action. Is there five people who could read these verses here? The first one is Luke 6, verse 38, and then Romans 12, 5 to 6, and another 1 Peter 4, 10, and Psalms 139, 13, and Matthew 25, verses 28 through 29. Pardon? The first one was Luke 6, 38. Romans twelve five through six. First Peter four ten. Psalm 139, 13. Matthew 25, verses 28 through 29. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. So how will the understanding of your spiritual gifts influence your future? 
your choice of career, your choice of spouse, your choice of ministry. Sometimes asking trusted friends for feedback helps you get a better perspective. Which gifts do they see manifested in your life? How might they see you using your gift and service? What guidance might they have for you in regards to the next step? But above all else, ask for God's direction. And if you do it with a sincere heart, God will answer you and point you in the right direction always. As Luke says in, as Luke 6:38 says, give and you will receive. Your gifts will return to you in full. Press down, shaken together to make room for more. Running over and poured in your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Thank you. Some people get discouraged because while exercising their spiritual gifts, they are faced with challenges. They would expect all doors to naturally open since they are doing God's work. What should you do when difficulties come your way while exercising the spiritual gifts you received? Truth is, God never promised it would always be easy. John 16.33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But he promised to be with us all the way and told us not to be afraid. Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God has a purpose for everything. Even if our problems serve to benefit us, if we confront them with the right attitude, sorry, even our problems have, uh, serve to benefit us if we confront them with the right attitude and adequate preparation. God could have saved Peter and John from flogging, kept Paul and Silas out of jail, and prevented Daniel from being thrown into the lion's den. Yet he didn't, and as a result, every one of them deepened their relationship with God. My prayer is that this message will help us to recognize that God not only empowers us to overcome tribulation, but has planted seeds of potential in us that, if attended to appropriately, can develop into purposeful skills and talents to be used for His glory. You can make a difference today, in our church and in our community. You are gifted, you are empowered, and God wants to use you. But we do need to be open to how God wants to use us today. When we chase God with all of our hearts, when we make every effort to get to know Him better, he reveals to us a purpose, our purpose for existing. He tells us the plans He has for us. He gives us courage to face whatever problems may come our way. In order to make this happen, we need to tap into His ultimate power source. Then we can begin not only to see the purpose in everything, but to become purposeful ourselves. Let's read Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God planned for us to do good things. He has a purpose for us. Peter said, God has given to each of you a great gift. God has given to each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. You can find that in 1 Peter 4 verse 10. What talents and abilities do you have? You may have performance-based abilities, such as singing, drawing, or playing a musical instrument. 
Maybe we should broaden our understanding a bit and include things like, are you a good listener, a gifted problem solver, a compassionate individual? In any case, never forget what was said here before, that a spiritual gift is something you get when you become a Christian, and that to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. We are talking about a supernatural ability that works through the Holy Spirit. God is willing to use us powerfully with what we naturally may have and with the spiritual gifts given by the Holy Spirit. Think about Peter, for example. Despite his initial character flaws and shameful denial of his association with Christ, after Christ's resurrection, Peter was a changed man. He preached fearlessly and performed many miracles. His actions clearly pointed to the life-changing power of the Holy Spirit, through which there is no task insurmountable. The Holy Spirit is still available to empower believers today. God has promised the believers a source of power and help, the Holy Spirit. We should turn to the Holy Spirit to give us strength, courage, and insight to accomplish God's work for us. What can you do today to better experience this life-changing and life-empowering work of the Holy Spirit? The apostles declare that they must obey God rather than human beings, echoing their earlier rhetorical question in Acts 4.19. Their statement emphasizes their conviction to fulfill God's plans and purposes, no matter what the cost. Previously, Jesus had commanded them, and now the angel of the Lord was directing them. Naturally, the apostles knew their purpose. Although Romans 12.8 encourages us to live at peace with everyone, and Jesus laid down the principle of obeying both Caesar and God, yet when a choice is to be made, we can pledge allegiance only to one master. How many times have we chosen the approval of men over God's approval? Is it because we are unclear as to what God wants from us and has planned for us? How can we attain clarity on this? If we are already sure, but are avoiding His directives because they do not align with our desires, what can, be re what can be done to recalibrate our moral compass? Sometimes the process of being shaped by God can be painful and difficult, but if we can look up from the problems of the moment, in the distance we should glimpse the joy of knowing that wonderful things happen when we live our lives according to God's purpose. What was the strength of those who have in the past persecuted uh, what was the strength of those who in the past have suffered persecution for Christ's sake? It was union with God, union with the Holy Spirit, and union with Christ. The Bible says in Jeremiah twenty nine, eleven, For I know I have I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Have you ever been judged or laughed at by others for doing what God called you to do, for doing what is right? It takes courage to do what is right, or not doing what is wrong, even though you know you could get into all kinds of trouble for it. It takes power to forgive those who mistreat us. This courage, this power, comes only from God. It has nothing to do with our wealth or fame, and it has nothing to do with privilege or good looks. It has everything to do with the presence of the Holy Spirit who lives within each one of us who believe. How can you tap into this power? What activities can you add to your daily routine so that you remain constantly tapped into God's power? When we seek God with our whole heart, we don't have to worry whether or not we're doing the right thing or what kind of purpose we are supposed to fulfill. It just comes naturally. But in order for that to happen, 
we need to fill our hearts and minds with his ultimate power source, the Holy Spirit. Why not rely fully on God's power? Why not make him more of a priority? The Apostle Paul said in his second letter to Timothy, chapter 1, verses 7 to 9, For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So, do not be ashamed about the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Whether you are still on a quest to discover your spiritual gifts, whether you already know what they are but are not using them, whether you have discovered the joy of serving God, his church, and neighbors with your spiritual gifts, my prayer is that God will bless you today and always, revealing more and more of his love and grace to you. And may we all be faithful stewards of the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us until Jesus comes. God bless us.